You're listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the Word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. So glad you're here today. Um, I'm going to invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians 12 and then also find a marker in your Bible for Acts 16. We are almost uh, concluding our series on Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts. Um, it's been a wonderful time, even for me personally, going through Scripture, um, being exhorted by the writers of the Gospels, being encouraged as Holy Spirit uh, would bring insight and, and revelation of areas in which he's stirring my own heart, and I hope that you have been stirred and moved as well in your own relationship with Jesus so as we go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for sake of time, uh, right at the beginning of chapter 12, Paul sets up and saying, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the same Spirit. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. Verse 7, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. In a few moments, we'll have the different verses on the screen. But the key takeaway here is a manifestation for the Spirit for the common good. We never want to forget this part. Because in Corinth, in many respects, amongst the good, well-intentioned heart people of Corinth, the believers there, the new converts, for a lot of them, it became about them. It became about the gifts on their supernatural tool belt, if you will. So we see in 1 Corinthians here that there's a wide array of spiritual gifts. A wide array. There are so, so many and they're available to all. Paul, the apostle, says that this is a distribution of the will of the Holy Spirit. And it helps us to resist, most importantly resist, is a word I underlined here today, the spiritual forces also of darkness. Because evil spirits still exist today. So it's one to exhort us believers in the faith, but to resist the spiritual forces of darkness. This isn't, you know, make-believe. This is the real deal. And this tremendous gift of our Heavenly Father as promised by our loving Savior is the Holy Spirit would teach us, would lead us, would guide us, would empower us to be Christ's representatives in our world while we wait for our great homecoming. We know many family members and friends who have already had their homecoming celebration. They finished the race. They ran the good race, as the Apostle Paul says in his letter as well. And what I wrote down here today as I was contemplating between the two parts of Scripture is I wrote this. The Spirit of God, who distinguishes the gifts, knows exactly what we need and when. 
The Holy Spirit knows exactly what we need and when in this life to participate, as the Apostle Peter says, to participate in the divine nature, which means to walk in the manner and way of Jesus. In order to do that, the Holy Spirit, Romans 8 says, he intercedes with us and prays with us and moves with us to the glory of God over our life. And the beautiful piece of that is it says he's working all things together for our good. And the good is that we would become more like Christ. So in any situation, any circumstance, like me and Megan at home and like all of you, you pray and ask God, you ask the Holy Spirit, how are you leading me today? How am I to grow today according to the plan of my Father? How many here believe our Heavenly Father's plan for us has always been a hope and a future? Amen? Thank goodness, I was kind of worried there for a minute. A hope and a future. You know, sometimes you get the time in which we're living, um, you can look at social media and stuff, and at times it can seem like it's all dread, it's all doom and gloom, like the world's coming to an end. And there are things that are happening. There are, you know, prophecy being revealed in our lifetime, and only a limited amount remain for the return of our Lord. But we're not supposed to live in the place of dread. We're supposed to live on assignment. We're to live on mission to, to declare the great plans and the hope that God has for all who call upon faith in the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know so well, says this, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration, plans for your well-being, not for disaster, but to give you a future and a hope. In this passage in relation to uh, verse 7 of our passage here today affirms the plan of these gifts in action. That as we use, use them, they are not to be used for personal gain of establishing an advantage over others. You know, in Corinth, it was about gaining influence. How can I leverage myself over my brother? How can I gain influence? How can I get the upper hand? But Paul reminds us it's about the common good so that we would ultimately draw others to faith in Christ. And so again, just fire for effect, he says in verse seven, a manifestation of the spirit is given to each person for the common good. And so he goes on, and we don't have these verses here on the computer. In 1 Corinthians 12, 25, he says this. Regarding the common good, he says that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for one another. You see, the, the Corinthians, they were, not all of them, but a good chunk were about themselves. They were only concerned about me and I. But he says, be concerned for each other. In verse 26, he says, so if one member suffers... All the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. So you know what that means? There are membership perks for us who belong to the family of God. And this is a good thing. We're not, this is not something we're supposed to cower away from. You, you have a membership card. You've been seated in Christ. And part of this perks of being part of the family of God, the key is, point number one is this, that we all look out for one another. We all look out for one another. How great is that? That, Catherine, you're not alone. 
You are never alone. Yeah, we know Jesus is with us, and I'm not dismissing that point, but because we're equally seated in him, we have a great crowd of witnesses, those encouraging us along for the ride, this, this spiritual ride of faith. But this also includes, as we're looking out for each other, being aware of the spirits at work. The spirits, the agents who operate against God's plan and purpose for our lives of a hope and a future. Such agents are oppressed, are oppressive agents, evil spirits, which the Bible refers to as demonic oppression. I, said, I just said it, demonic oppression. Yes, there are demons. You know, this is one of the things, few things the church doesn't talk about that much anymore. Hell, and hell is a place. Number two, demonic oppression. Spiritual forces of darkness are a reality. They are at work just as the ministering angels are at work. The Bible says in Revelation that a third of the angels in heaven were swept out by the ancient serpent, Lucifer the devil. They were swept up in his pride and this delusion that he would be like God. In fact, he would be God and he would topple the creator of the universe. What a fool. And so it's no surprise then the Apostle Paul says in verse 10, amongst all the other gifts, which we equally get excited about all of them, in verse 10, he says to another, discerning between different spirits. Discerning between different spirits. And this is given to believers as the Spirit wills. And so what does this mean? When you look at this, distinguishing between different spirits, this means the Holy Spirit empowers you to distinguish between the voices who affirm or deny, sorry, deny drinking from the spiritual rock that is Christ. We've seen this all around where people are seeking after the things that are not truly of the Lord, being wrapped and reboxed and labeled as the way of Jesus when it's not. And those who deny Christ by way of circumventing God as the source of life, the way, the truth, in the life. And Jesus said, hey, in this world, you're going to have trouble for my namesake. Because you follow me, they will hate you because they hated me first. We have to understand we will never be popular in the world. I would actually be ex exceedingly uncomfortable if we became extremely popular. Because a lot of those ways that we fall the, can easily fall in the trap of Lucifer where it became prideful. Pride comes before the fall. And so as Christians led and empowered by the Holy Spirit, I write this, we can discern the spiritual forces at work. We can learn to recognize these voices which endeavor to steer us. But Jesus says this in John 10, 27, and I'm sorry, I don't have this verse either. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Just leave it there. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Think about that. You are eternally secure. The only permission and power that the enemy has over your life is that which you give it. This is something, we're going to be starting a new series in the next coming weeks. If I only knew then what I know now. 
If I could go back to my younger self and say, Andrew, the enemy can never snatch you out of your father's hands. The only power he has is that which you give it. So I would resist him at every turn, not saying I was some, you know, rampant, delusional, disobedient child, which I'm sure my parents are thankful that I wasn't those things, but like you, I was a work in progress. There's times where it could be, could it became about religion to the point where I thought I must do things and I tried to endeavor in my own strength. But the moment when I realized that Christ was sufficient for me and leaned to the powers Holy Spirit, I no longer wanted the things of this world and the things of the enemy and was only truly satisfied by the will and good purpose of my Father in heaven. And this took time. But he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So we see there's different voices. There are different spirits at work and the Holy Spirit helps us to recognize who is speaking. And we can, if you want, put up the antivirus, put up the firewall that we tune out those voices. It's okay to say, saying, I don't have time for you. Too much in the world. I'm, it blows my mind. I go on YouTube or I'll even talk to colleagues. The things we entertain for the sake of nonsense of being enlightened in the academic world of thinking we're big stuff and we get wrapped up in all these things that are not in the word of God. Where in the earth does this come from? The father lies. He says he twists and distorts. He's, he masquerades as an angel of light. But his so-called truth isn't truth at all. We know where it leads. And so Paul shows us here there's another membership perk of being part of the family of God. That not only we are not alone, but as we face off against the enemy of our souls, we are in this together. We're in this together. The last time you checked, when you look when there's a war going on, have you ever seen a single troop go out against an entire army all the time? Now, you, of course, you're going to notice, well, what about David. Okay, well, that's another sermon for another time. But it was also long before what we now experience in the new covenant relationship with Jesus. We're meant to be a body. We're not to, meant to live this life in isolation. We're meant to counter the voices and agents of darkness together. This collective unity, this collective testimony of what we have and enjoy in Christ. And I just love the fact when I woke up this morning and I sipped my coffee, I was actually excited to think Satan has not only lost the war, but he's trembling because he knows where his end is coming and he can't dissuade us. Those who are truly in Christ, he cannot knock us off. He's going to try, but we're not alone. We have the comfort we have the encouragement of one another, especially when maybe in this flesh we lose heart, we lose strength, and when those voices pile up, we can lean on each other. I'm thankful when I'm going through something, I can, you know, I can talk with my own family, my brother, I can obviously talk with my wife, but the family of God is so important. It's so important. You know, we go to the world for so many different things. We'll go talk to experts, all these different realms of things. But when, the, when it comes to the spiritual makeup of a relationship with Jesus, for some reason, it can become second fiddle. Doesn't, it's not as important. Living in the truth of God's word and not willfully welcoming the wrong voices into our spiritual walk with Jesus is important. And so the title here as we continue on is this. Be aware of the various spirits at work. Be aware of the spiritual forces or different spirits at work. 
discernment. Discernment or distinguishing is also in the Greek the same as recognizing. Being able to recognize the different spirits that exist and taking a bold stand like that of Christ. So I'm going to invite you to turn to Acts 16. We're going to see a great example of this discernment in action. You know, the Apostle Paul before his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus where he had his life transformational experience. He was once known as Saul. He was an intense persecutor of the Christians. He was living a lie, so to speak. He was throwing people in prison. He was sanctioning people's death because they followed the way, which means faith in Jesus. And then one day on that road to Damascus, he came to a personal encounter with Jesus. He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he saw the power of the very living God and he said Lord and that moment he recognized his authority and that moment he recognized his power and like scales came over his eyelids which means a transformation was beginning that when he regained his sight he would now begin to see the world an entirely different way the way that God had designed for him to see the world as his representative And so as time goes on, as he begins to lean into his mission and his assignment, this this truth of life and Jesus' invitation, he then encounters different people on his missionary journey and leading them to faith in Christ. And we see here in Acts 16, we find illustration of his discernment as he's going about ministry. He's left this place uh, in Philippi. Uh, There's been a great number that have been converted to faith in Jesus. And so there's been kind of a home base that's been established. And one day it says in verse 16, he says, we were on our way to prayer and a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her homeowners or for her owners by fortune telling. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. And she did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed. Turning to the Spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. And when her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and they're promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. And so the crowd joined in the attack against them and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them in the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. What a crazy encounter that's occurred here. Think about all the different things that are happening that Paul and Silas have encountered. Key word here, it says, a slave girl who makes her owners rich. She's living in it from a place of uh, oppression. 
It shows us that she clearly has a spirit of divination by the way of demonic oppression. And while her abilities seem impressive, they cannot line up with the living God. The most high God, whether by intention or not, acknowledged by the way of the spirit saying, they are showing you the way to salvation, servants of the most high God. And so this evil spirit identified the spiritual forces behind Paul and Silas's work, just like in the case of Jesus's work. Look, they understand what's going on. They know the battle that they're fighting is a lost cause, but they're doing it anyway. We're told in James 2.19, you believe that God is one, good. Even demons believe and they shudder. Even demons believe and shudder. This, this, if I can say it this way, this amps me up that they're petrified, stupefied by the very reality of the name of the most high God, Jesus Christ. There's been times where I've encountered demonic activity in my own life, so thick, so tangible, that shroud of darkness, if you will, but at the name of Jesus that it dispelled like great light breaking through the cloud. But only at the name of Jesus. And there were some in the Bible in Acts 19, we see where those who masqueraded thought they could just take on the name of Jesus another, you know, tick on the connotation spell book and, and just proclaim the name of Jesus. And in fact, the sons of Sceva found out that they were wrong, that because they were not uh, of Christ, that the evil spirits were able to jump and pounce on them and destroy them. But when you believe, when you're in Christ, when you have faith in him, his power prevails as you trust in him. So here's a little bit of background for you that I found interesting. When you look here, the word most high, it was actually a common rendering in that time. It wasn't only reserved for the Jewish God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but it was also ascribed to Zeus. Did you know that? It was this, you know, this counter, this, this teeter, if you will, where some people say, no, Zeus is the most high. And they would combat. In fact, there were people in this time, scholars say there were those who admired, those who recognized this most high God, the Jews. But they didn't truly believe. They saw, they witnessed great miracles of things happen, but they didn't believe. And so here we see they're on their way to prayer and this can happen many times as you're on your way to worship the Lord that an opportunity presents itself. And make no mistake, opportunities will present itself maybe at the most inconvenient times. And as they're on their way to prayer, this slave girl comes out under demonic oppression and Paul wasted no time after a number of days. And Paul took this appropriate stand which could encourage us. There's a time and place where we need to stand up. There's a time and place, there's a time and season for everything where we must resist. And so Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, like you and I, he did two things. He recognized the source of her power and then commanded the spirit to leave. Notice how it says here that he spoke to the spirit, turning to the spirit in verse 18. He didn't say, and turning to this annoying slave girl, he said to her, be quiet. No, it says he turned to the spirit and said, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. Paul recognized in whose name the spirit would have to leave. 
Now you might be here thinking, did Paul really need to take such action? At first glance, you could say, hey, this was free publicity. She was saying and proclaiming the way to salvation. Well, look how it says in verse 18. It says, she did this for many days. So Paul wasn't rash. There was an appropriate time for him to take a stand, and then he turned to the very spirit. Now think about it. Paul, of course, he had to speak up. He had to do something because he could not appear, which is helpful to us today, he could not appear to be linking the gospel with demon-related activities, especially not to affirm prophecy for profit. How many times, you, again, you, you go online and you hear of different events and things where you got to pay a certain price to hear a word from the Lord? And even times you can buy different items to have a better opportunity of hearing the voice of God. Prophecy for profit. Paul could not align with this. He could by no means affirm this. Because Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount with the, with the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It was an equal footing. Such a partnership would send the wrong message about the gospel of Christ. Think about that. How do you relate that to your own life? What are things that maybe you partner with, maybe even unintentionally, that you're actually sending a message of affirmation? That is why I don't unapologetically tell people when it comes to certain times of seasons, you cannot fly different flags. You can't support different causes that are contrary to the word of God because it's not God's will for our life. Love does not mean you affirm things. Love that you care about them so much you don't want them to spend eternity of damnation. But you speak the truth and love. Like Paul, there was a time, time had gone by, and then he spoke to the spirit. He realized who his battle was truly with, who he was resisting. And by distinguishing the spirit, I love this, Paul freed the girl from her bondage, bringing her into true liberation of the grace of Christ. This was the gospel in action. Remember what Jesus said? He went to the synagogue one day in Luke chapter four, it's, it's uh, recalled. That which was said in Isaiah 61. He stands up in the synagogue. He unfolds the, the scroll of Isaiah and he says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set free the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so now in this circumstance, in this moment um, amongst all the people who are watching, she experienced the very favor of God, the intervention, the bondage breaker, Jesus Christ. Faith without works is dead. Here Paul was justifying to the crowd that he truly was a follower of Jesus. He was living out what he preached. He was living it out in action. His response was proof of his conclusions that this girl was operating under the impression of an evil spirit. She wasn't in the right mind, if you will. And so again, just for emphasis, the key to remember here, when you're dealing with the spiritual forces of darkness, 
Understand, as you lean to the Holy Spirit, who am I addressing? What is going on in this person's life? If they seem out of their mind, more than likely they're under a sort of oppression. Our struggle is not against the person. Paul is showing us this. It's not against the person, but the evil spirit or spirits at work. Paul says this to the believers in Ephesus, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. You know it so well, and you can say it with me if you like. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. And Paul goes on, and stand therefore. And he goes, and stand. Like, make a decision. If you're in Christ, make a decision to stand for him. Don't be wish-washy. Don't be lukewarm. Be all in, for goodness gracious. I'm preaching to myself. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be like those of Laodicea that God is watching and saying, what are you doing? The promise of Jesus, part of the gospel, the good news is freedom for the oppressed, release for the captives. If there's something here, oppressive voices that have been speaking to you in the, in the darkness of night, you can have liberation in Jesus' name. If you know a family member or friend who's going through a, a dark time and maybe you didn't recognize it before, but now when you look at it and say, my goodness, that's the work of the enemy, you're then able to acknowledge and recognize what's happening and speak to that oppression. You're able to speak to that evil spirit. Be gone in Jesus' name. Look what Paul did. Again, he recognized, he distinguished the girl was neither saved or free. She was neither saved or free. And he directed his attention appropriately. Point number two is this, as we begin to close. Our actions in the spirit open doors to Jesus. Our actions in the spirit open doors to Jesus. She and others were witnessed firsthand, as did others, the power of Jesus' name. I, I can't emphasize this enough as believers and sisters in Christ. As we engage in this world, we open doors to Jesus. Part of our mission statement of Hope for a Day is that we would desire to lead people to the life transformation of the gospel and to see them thrive in life through discipleship and outreach. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ means life transformation. This woman was transformed, was she not? She was freed from her oppression. She was freed from her bondage at the name of Jesus. And so the next time you encounter an oppressive spirit, you can remember these words in Philippians 2.9 that says this, for this reason, God highly exalted him, referring to Jesus, and gave him the name that's above every other name, you can clear that screen there, Max. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. To the glory of the Father. Think about that. This is encouragement whenever you feel like, man, uh, there's been times where I've missed up. There's times I've missed the opportunity. 
Besides all that, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess to the glory of God. And so for me, the encouragement for this, this afternoon for us collectively, point three is this, live faith out loud. As you live it out loud, you're opening the doors. Don't be apathetic in this time that we have. Our faith in action, I wrote this, justifies that we truly are followers of Jesus and the world takes notice. We're meant to be different. Again, we're not meant to live in isolation, but we will be different. We will see things differently, like Paul with the scales. He's inviting us to see the world in a whole different way. We're equal members. We're not doing this alone. We're together, collectively resisting the enemy. And so James, we're told in James 5.13, writes this. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. That's what we do. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Live faith out loud. Live faith out intentionally, unapologetically. And so as you gird yourself to leave from this place today, remember that you've been given the gift of the promised Holy Spirit that enables you with the vast array of gifts, including discernment, discerning different spirits. And you're able to further cultivate this through prayer, leading into the voice of the Holy Spirit and studying the word of God. How do you know God's good will and purpose for your life? Read his word. There's so many things that I don't fully comprehend and understand. That's okay. I don't have all the answers, but the Word of God does. And we're able to go to it. We're able to turn any situation. Turn to it. Read it. And you know what's amazing? Jesus, you got to love how he always gives us examples. In Luke, or sorry, Matthew 4, he showed us this in action. When Satan sought to tempt him and dissuade him or even coerce him, to give up the mission his father sent him, he resisted the devil with the word of God. He didn't resist him with the words of the, of the, you know, the leaders of the time. He didn't resist him with the buzzwords he heard the leaders in the synagogue and the top authors in Corinth and Philippi or what have you. He went to the word. Aware of the spirit, distinguished the enemy's tactics, Encountered with the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you by the power of your spirit. You enable us to distinguish and recognize all the forces at work the forces that seek to dissuade us, to coerce us by various cunning methods to turn away from you. But Father, we thank you in all that cunningness and craftiness, Lord, that we are secure in you as we trust in you. We are securely in your hand. And so Lord, with that security, by the power of your spirit, would you enable us ever so more boldly 
as we go into our world in the spheres of influence, that we would take the opportunity to discern what is happening around us in the lives of our loved ones, our family members, our friends, even our coworkers and colleagues, and to speak life, even commanding spirits in your name, Lord, to flee. Thank you, Lord, that we are recipients and also representatives of your good news. Be glorified within us. Jesus' name, amen. Will you join us in worship? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Feel free to stand with us here as we worship.
you are stirring us and moving us and quickening us to be your representatives and even a new and a fresh way today. Lord, thank you for speaking to my own heart and my brothers and sisters and you, Lord Jesus, today, this day. Lord, may we mark this time on the spiritual calendar, recognizing the milestone where you've taken us and where you're leading us as your representatives, as your ambassadors in this world. We thank you that we're not alone, that we're together. There's a mighty number of us who trust in you. And because you are for us, no one can truly be against us. That's right. The battle belongs to you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to continue to out through song. We're going to allow this to be an, an official close. But so glad that you are here today, but even more importantly, that you are moved in spirit to all that Jesus is calling you to today and how he's moving in your life today. Go with him. Go in his peace. Go with his joy. Go with his provision and lean into the life transformation as he moves in you and through you around you. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Have a great rest of the day and we're going to lead us out through song. God bless you.